2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 through 10 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul talking here. But share in the sufferings of the gospel of the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not by our works, but of his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. There's more said there, but we won't go into all that. In fact, we went through this recently. We will be coming back to that here in a little bit, not that chapter, but another one close to it. <clears throat> one thing I've always hated is taking tests. I hate taking tests. I always have. I've always hated tests. I've talked about it before. While studying for tests, I was okay with it. I started studying. The pressure wasn't on me while you're studying. Studying was fine. I'm not going to say I enjoyed studying, but I, I did it. I did fine. Oh, when I had the book in front of me, I was okay with it. You know, had all the answers right in front of me. I was okay. There was no pressure. I wasn't worried, wasn't concerned going through and getting all the answers for a classroom. And I did okay. But once the test came, pressure, and I was very, very concerned, very worried about that. You might as well set me on fire because I was very nervous about that. Well, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world was turning, but I was very, very nervous because you, you, you might as well put me on flames once you started up a test because once you told me there was a test, I would get so nervous, I would have told you just about anything on a test. I was horrible with them. I hated tests. I was under a lot of pressure in school, and I never did well with testing. And life is the same thing. We're tested a lot and all the time. We're tested continuously. I dare to say is our Christian life, we're under test a lot. We're under test a lot as Christians, aren't we? Constantly under test. A few weeks ago, we talked about being a witness. And this relates to what we're going to talk about today. Our life, in a sense, is a test, a test of our Christianity. It is a test of our Christianity, not our salvation, not our salvation, but of our devotion unto God. We're under a test continuously. In other words, we all have a test in life as a Christian and of our testimony. And our testimony stands on these tests that we go through. In fact, today's title is Test-Ammoni. Now, Ammoni is not really a word, but testimony is. And you can take the test part of that, and it's very true. There's a test we go through all the time, and our testimony stands upon the tests that we go through, the tests that we go through in life. We get put through the test all the time, very often. Daily, you could even say, we get put through tests, through temptations and other things. Daily, of what side we're on. And our testimony is built upon these tests that we go through, as we just said. I'm now going to turn to 2 Timothy, as I said a while ago. 2 Timothy chapter 2 now. I'm going to read verses 2 through 13. It says this. It says, share, the, remember it's Paul talking, share the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, with faithful men who will be able to teach others also, endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier on active duty entangles himself 
with civilian affairs that he may please the enlisting officer. Anyone who completes as an athlete is not rewarded without completing legally. The farmer who labors should be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I'm saying, and may the Lord grant you understanding in all things. Now think for just a second before I go on. He's talking about being a good Christian. He's talking about doing things correctly, following God correctly, following his word correctly, doing what God told us to do, following the Holy Spirit correctly, doing what the Lord would have us to do. We are to follow correctly in life. Life is a test sometimes. We're to go through and have a good testimony, do things right. It's not always easy, but we'll go on through. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, in verse 8 now, descended from David according to my gospel, in which I suffer trouble like a criminal, because he was in chains often, even with chains, put the word of God, excuse me, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may attain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, we spoke about this recently. This is to say that if we don't accept Jesus Christ, we are not his. But, but, he still remains faithful. He remains faithful to us. And this is to say that we're not going to lose our salvation, as we talked about a while ago. But he will remain faithful, always. Why? He's the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way he is. And we're often put to the test through pressure, and there's a lot of Christians who fail the Lord Jesus Christ through the test. And we're not to do that. We're to continue to move on through the test. And we don't always. There might be times you can think of whenever you're put through the test through this world, and you may have failed. I can honestly say I've not done that as far as denying Jesus Christ. However, I have failed my test in other ways. There's times I've given it to temptation. We'll get into that here in a moment. We're often put to the test through pressure. And we're often put through pressure through this world. We're often put through pressure. We may give in into that. And from anything we may have given into, we can't go back and change that. But we can go on from this day forward and never give into it again. Whatever temptations that might be, we no longer have to look back and say, well, look how horrible I am because of my test that I failed. My testimony is ruined. Well, you might be right. You might be right that you may have a bad testimony. You might. You might be a horrible witness for the Lord. We talked about being a witness, a testimony. You may have a horrible testimony because of the test that you failed. But from this day on, your witness, as we talked a couple weeks ago, your witness can be changed. Your testimony can be changed. Your testimony can be changed from what you do from this day on. Your testimony can be changed and be a good testimony. You can be the one who fails and gets back up again and follows Christ. We can look through the Bible and see people who fail and get back up again. We can see people who make horrible mistakes and in their last moments reach back out. We talked many times about Samson, who failed and went through lust and all sorts of other things and had his eyes taken out. Oh, I even the very thought of it just 
good. It gives me the willies. However, in his last moment, what did he do? In his last moment, he called out to the Lord God. And in the strength of the Lord, not his own strength. He not in his own strength. He wasn't the incredible Hulk. But not in his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord God. He took down the enemies of the Lord God. He took down the enemies. Why? Because in his last moment, in his last moment, he called out to God and said, I'm going to follow you. And we can see even in our weaknesses, we can let the Lord God's strength be shown. Why? Because God blesses weakness? No, because God blesses truth. God blesses the fact that we are genuine. Samson was genuinely sorry for what he did. Genuinely sorry and humble. And that's what God blesses. Humility. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Examine all things. Firmly hold on to what is good. And it says in Matthew 10.32, Whoever will confess me, this is Jesus talking, Whoever will confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father who is in heaven. So we will be tested by temptations. Everyone has different temptations. What may test me, and tempt me, may not tempt you. You may not be tempted by a Twinkie sitting in front of you. That may not be your temptation. There may be pornography sitting in front of you and tempt you. It's not going to tempt me. There might be something else in front of somebody else. It's not, you might be tempted by gossip. That's not my thing. You might be tempted about spending someone's money. That's not my thing. But there's other temptations that might be my weakness and not yours. Being too nice of a person might be my temptation, and it is. Being a weakling with that. Because I let people take advantage of me sometimes no more. Not because of my strength, but because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not because of fellow. And the point is this, that God can give us the strength when we turn to him. But there's different temptations. It says this in 2 Timothy 2, 22-26, So flee youthful desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Then it says in 23, but avoid foolish and unlearned debates, knowing that they create strife. I know a lot of Christians who love to debate. That's stupid. It's stupid to debate with people, especially with the people of the world. Why would you debate with them when they don't know the Lord God? They don't know the Lord God. Why would you debate with them? Tell them they need Jesus and then move on. Move on, folks. If they don't know Jesus, why would you debate with them? Yes, they need Jesus. Tell them they need Jesus and then go on with it. Tell them what's true, and then go on. If they don't know Christ, it's like going to a, a, a kindergartner and then saying, nuh-uh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Keep debating with them. Don't debate with them. If a kindergartner doesn't know how to do math, they're not going to know how to do math, so don't argue with them to say, well, in love, you're incorrect. This is what the Bible says, and then move on. But don't debate with them. Just move on and pray for them. But try to do it with as much love as possible. I'm going to move on so you can see what it says here. It says, but avoid foolish and unlearned debates, knowing that they create strife. We don't want to create strife. That's what it says. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be gentle toward all people, able to teach, patient, in gentleness, instructing those in opposition. Perhaps God will grant them repentance to know the truth. Then I'm going to read this for the next verse. Now, I want you to listen to the words here. 
and they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him, talking about the devil now, after being captured by him to do his will. Now, what does that mean? That means God's going to let them do what they're going to do, whether they be lost, and sometimes even from those Christians who don't want to live for the Lord. Let them go and live stupidly. If that's what they're going to do, let them do it. Not, 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 not to give them blessings for it. Not to say, okay, you want to sleep out of wedlock? Fine, you have my blessings. No, 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 no. You want to act foolishly? You want to abort babies? You want to do drugs? You, you, you want to live a gay life? You want to do all these things? We still love you. We still love you. But we don't know what you're doing. We don't agree with what you're doing. We don't agree with you doing all these things. You want to live illegally? We don't agree with what you're doing, but we still love you. Because God loves you. He just doesn't love what you're doing. That's what we're trying to tell you. But you don't have to be mean and in your face and saying God hates you because God doesn't hate you. He just hates what you're doing. God hated when David had a good man killed. God hated when Solomon brought in false gods. God hated all these things. Doesn't mean he hated them. We have to be very careful. Very, very careful. Many have been put to the test, and their testimony was built by the testing. Now, when we go to Daniel chapter 3, we can see a lot of things happen. Daniel chapter 3, you know, the children who are here this week went to Babylon with us, and they got to see an awful lot of testing that happened to these people who were kidnapped or taken to Babylon. Now, if you were kidnapped and taken to Babylon and told to erase all your past, and you're a teenager, by the way, teenagers, and this isn't your fault. A lot of teenagers have attitudes. This is come, kind of comes with the territory. Uh, but if you were told, you know, I mean, I, I got it too sometimes. I got a little bit of an attitude sometimes. I mean, we all got it. Everybody's got an attitude. They all have to say, no, it's a human thing. It's a human condition to get an attitude if we're honest. Oh, I don't get an attitude. I'm not a teenager anymore. No, yes, you do. You're human. I see attitudes of people who are 50, not 15. And they say, well, I'm not a teenager anymore, but you still act like a teenager. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is we all get attitudes when we get pushed the wrong way. The fact of the matter is, is if you were kidnapped from your home that you loved and knew and your folks and you were told not to worship God anymore, you may have an attitude. But these young men worshiped the Lord anyway. And because they did, because they did all these things, God blessed them over and over and over again. I'm talking about Daniel. I'm talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that wasn't even the real names. They were told not to even have their names anymore. Now, Daniel, that was his name. But here's what happens. At one point, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king, this arrogant king from Babylon, and why did he kidnap these kids? So that the people of the places, and it was all over the world, the places that he stole wouldn't attack him so that they wouldn't attack their own kids. That's why they did it. So that when they would have their children, oh, we don't want to hurt our own loved ones. But here's what happened. At one point, even though he was already warned from a dream, he had built a statue of himself in gold. It was huge. And when he built the statue of himself in gold, he told he had all these people, these big people of the nations. He, oh, he had all these people, these people who were supposed to be big and wonderful, and oh, people who were to be... Uh, uh, counselors and captains and sheriffs and judges and rulers of all this area and they were to come forward 
and see my great big statue. Look how wonderful I'm. I'm made out of gold. Now, I'll admit, if I had an action figure made of myself, which I could do, if I had an action figure made of myself, I'd probably invite all my friends. But it wouldn't be to worship it. It would just be to show it off. But that being said, he then decided to have, uh, he decided to have this rule, this uh, law made, you know, and they would, they would call that uh, a decree. They had a decree, a law made, and he said, anytime you hear, and I'm going to go through the types of instruments they had, he said, anytime you hear a cornet, a flute, a harp, a sackbut, a psaltery, a dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I don't know what all those kind of instruments are, but I always have to wonder if somebody whistled, would that count? Because it said all kinds of music. So if somebody walked by and going, does that mean that somebody had to fall down and worship Nebuchadnezzar? I have to wonder. But it does know, I do know this, that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to be worshipped like a god. So anytime somebody had any kind of music, everybody had to fall down and worship. Now, there are all sorts of people up there, the upper ups, the people of rules and laws, and some of those people are called Chaldeans. And with those Chaldeans, there are people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, when the some of the Chaldeans who hated the Jewish people saw that this had happened, they went to the king and said, O king, O king, some of your Jewish Chaldeans did not fall down and worship. The people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't fall down and worship you. And this infuriated Nebuchadnezzar. He was furious. And so he called for them. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, he called for them, and he says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you did not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time that you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the image which you have made very well. He says, But if you do not worship, you shall cast uh, in that same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And, uh, and who is that God who can deliver you out of my hand? Now, here is the moment, the test, the test. Now, it's one thing that they didn't bow down. He's given them another chance. Here's the test that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego goes through. The test is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer to this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And here's my favorite part. They say, but even if he does not be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship your golden image, which you have set up. Of course, he was furious. And he had them set up the fiery furnace seven times hotter. And he had them thrown in. And when he threw them in, they were bound up by their strongest men. When he threw them into the fiery furnace, you know what happened? When he threw them into the fiery furnace, it burnt away the ropes that they were they're hung onto. However, they were not burnt. They were not burnt at all. But when they looked in and they were looking from above, they looked in and they saw the image. They saw the image of the angel of the Lord. And this wasn't just an angel with a halo and wings and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. This was the Son of God. 
because the angel of the Lord, as we talked recently, we know is pre-incarnate Christ. This was Christ. The Son of God, Nebuchadnezzar said himself as the Son of God. He saw the Son of God standing there with them. And so Christ came in there because the strength of the Lord God saved them. And when they came out, Nebuchadnezzar was amazed. And not only was he amazed, he brought them out, he saved them, and said nobody's to worship any other but their God. They not only stood the test, but their testimony was strong. They didn't even have any sense, any kind of smell of burning upon them. He saw the power of God because of their test that they passed and their testimony. Now, some say, what, where was Daniel? Well, we don't know where Daniel was, but I do know this. Daniel also had many, many tests. And we'll get into that sometime. But because of Daniel's test, Nebuchadnezzar ended up worshiping the Lord God and came to be a servant of the Lord. We do know that. The point is this. They went through a great test. They went through great, great tests, and you go through great tests too. You don't have to be thrown into the fire to be tested. You don't have to be literally thrown into fire to be tested every single day in your life. But you will be tested, and you will be thrown into fire. You will be tested in this world, especially in this nation right now. There are going to be people who try to test your devotion to the Lord, and they will try to test who is your God. Is your God the Lord God, Jesus Christ, or is your devotion the people that you know in this nation, the people who want to be popular, because I can guarantee you that my opinions are not popular. I can guarantee you that my opinions don't matter to a lot of people. I don't really care. Because my opinions are my opinions. My opinions are the opinions of the Lord God, His Word. I know a lot of people don't like me. Well, i, I got to say this. Well, why not? The fact is, is uh, <laughs> I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, I'll be truthful about this. I don't like a lot of people. I love them, though. I love them, and I give my life to protect them. I would. I would. But there's a lot of people, even on TV, who I see them talk, and I go, oh, you ignorant wretch. Uh, a lot of them. Some stutter and stumble a lot and, and uh, say all sorts of things and even have the American flag behind them, but I still love them. And I would love to talk about the Lord God. And more importantly, I would love them to go to the Lord in heaven. I don't want anyone to go to hell. I would stand in this type of fire for them because I know I'm not going to stand in immortal fire. That is to say, fire for eternity. I know I'm not, but I would stand in fire if it meant bringing them to the Lord. Because that's the kind of fire that we're going to stand in, folks. It is a test that we go through every day. And yes, it's not fun. It's not fun to be put to the test, but it's vitally important for others and for ourselves. Because to this day, we're still talking about these people in the Bible. And it's not to their glory, but to the glory of God through them. Listen to what it says in 1 John 5, 9 through 11. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God which he has given concerning his Son. This is what it says in verse 10. It's 1 John 5, verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has this witness in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him, talking about Jesus, out to be a liar because he does not believe the testimony that God gave about his son. Verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life 
and this life is in his son. Made a point and didn't even mean to. Okay. 1 Corinthians 1, 5-7 By him you are enriched in everything, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift while waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, it's hard because we have a battle going on with this. And I talk about this quite a bit. You probably get tired of me talking about it. I apologize if you do, but it's true. We have a battle going on every single day between the flesh and the spirit. But we are not to be boastful. We're not to be know-it-alls. We're not to be hateful to others, including our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not to be bigoted. We're not to be better than thou's, you know, better than you. We're not to be the king of the hill, self-involved, selfish people. I'm better than this and that. We're not to be kick a dog while he's down. We're not to be the center of the universe. We're not to be heathenistic, poor examples for Christ. We're not to be that. And a lot of Christians are. And don't you know that that's what Satan wants? That's what Satan wants. Satan wants the kind of people who wouldn't step in the fire. Satan wants the kind of people who wouldn't stand up like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But there's a lot of Christians who would have bowed down to that statue. Say, well, you know, we got to get along with everyone. And it's true. We need to be loving and kind. But we're not to bow down to the statue. No. Uh-uh. Oh, can't be. We're not to do that. Mm -hmm. No. We're to be a living testimony of Christ. We're to allow people to see Christ living within us. Amen? That's hard to do, Pastor. It is. It is. It is, and if I'm honest, there's times I have to get on to myself. I have to get on to myself when I'm getting frustrated and tired when my head's are hurting, and that's a lot. There's times I have to get on to myself and say, Philip, just shut up, sit down, get in the Word. Maybe you're the same, but you don't need to call yourself Philip. <laughs> That's safe for me. But you know, there's times I have to sit down and be quiet, get in the Word, because sometimes the flesh wants to take over the Spirit. Maybe you're thinking it was just you. Eh, it's not. It's me too. There's times I have to say, okay, turn off that television. Turn on something that's edifying. Build you up. Turn off that music. Maybe turn on some hymns. Or pray songs. Maybe that's, maybe that's your cup of tea. Maybe something that's going to build you up and not tear you down. Maybe something that's going to get that flesh out of you. And that's not to say that you're wrong for ever feeling that flesh, because we all do it. But there comes a moment that we need to be able to stand up, have courage, because a moment of testing has come. If I'd had my way in the days of school, there would never been a test. I had this one teacher, he was a lazy bum when it came to testing. He really was. I mean, I, lo I loved him. He was a good guy. But when it came to testing, he was a bum. Because what he would do is he would put all the, the answers out in front of us. And a lot of kids were lazy. And they just, they just take it. I didn't. Because I felt like I wasn't really learning. And I, I, I told him I felt too guilty to do so. And he said, well, that's stupid. And I said, well, maybe. But it's like my dad would tell me, son, can't help it. I, I do that with my dad when I think about my dad. He's a uh, son. You got to do your best. And I knew if I cheated, that's not my best. Oh, we got to take the test 
for the Lord every day. We've got to do our best. People say, we're saved by grace. We're not going to lose our salvation. True. But, though we're saved by grace, we're still testified to just. Amen? I won't go through all the rest that I could. I got a lot to say, but I won't. I'll simply say this last verse. First Peter three fifteen. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Always be ready to give an answer to every man who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and fear. We're to be ready to testify. When you're going through the test, just know that Christ went through greater tests. And we're to let him live boldly, bravely, and brightly through this. And if you ever feel that you're given the wrong answer in your test, it's okay. It's okay. Christ will give us the right answer. And unlike a teacher who's trying to cheat, Christ is a teacher. He's giving us the answers because he's living within us. He is using I don't mean he's you like he's a mistake and makes mistakes. I mean he's living brightly within us saying, here's your correct answer. Take it. Live it. Live it. Pass the test. Live the test of Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for loving me. I thank you so much for loving all my brothers and sisters who, Lord God, for anyone who's watching right now, I pray for them. I pray that you be with them. Perhaps they're even right now beating themselves up for a mistake they might have made even today or yesterday. But Lord, I pray you strengthen them. I pray that you help them to know that we all make mistakes. Every single one of us has failed a test or two. But I pray that you will help them now to know that, Lord, that you're not keeping the grade, that you have passed it for us, and that you will help them to know that tomorrow is a brand new day, and that you will help them through the test, and that their testimony can be filled all over brand new again. And Lord Jesus Christ, that it's never too late to live for you. I pray, Lord God, there be anybody who's watching who is yet to pray out to you and ask for salvation, to be saved from damnation and eternal death. I pray that this will be the day that they receive life. I pray this in your holy name, Lord God, that they will receive understanding through the Holy Spirit. I pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, I pray they feel your love. I pray this in Jesus' most holy and precious name. Amen and amen.